the thoughts that I have on my mind this morning have to do it have to do with the, the second chapter of the book of Revelations. And I know oftentimes, you know, when we when we think about this book, the book of Revelations, you know, we often think about um, end times prophecies, or uh, we think of uh, we might think of you know scary images that people like to, to talk about and, and put out. Um, but in this book, this is a book that's meant to be a a book of encouragement, a book of a book of hope. Uh, it's a, it's meant to be a book also of instruction. And in this book, in the in the first few chapters of this book, is a lot of instructions uh, to seven to seven churches. <clears throat> and, I, and I'm not sure why the, the Lord uh, chose to write to these seven specific churches, uh, but these are but uh, nevertheless. In each case of these churches, uh, the Lord uh, praises them for many things, and He also uh, examines these churches, and it gives us uh, some insight in to what the Lord uh, looks for in a church. You know, I don't think that I don't think the Lord uh, only examined uh, His churches at just this specific time. I think that I believe that the Lord is still uh, examining His churches. He's examining you know, a, a church is a, a body of believers that come together uh, to worship the true and the living God, and wherever and wherever that they are gathered, uh, just as we are here today, I do believe that the Lord uh, is still examining His churches. He still examines us as individuals. And as I was, you know, as I was studying this, I'm not going to go through. Um, each of these seven churches, but I would encourage you to to study each of these churches, and you will find uh, the, the the things that the Lord uh, se- seeks for and desires uh, from His people and from His churches. And uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, it, it, you know, in our carnal nature, you'll find that uh, the way that we examine churches today is very different from how the, the Lord uh, examines his churches. You know, there are many there are many people who will not even go to a church if it does not have, uh, you know, certain certain uh, certain things that they desire to to be within that church. <clears throat> you know, I, I one time saw a, a woman on Facebook who was looking for a church for her and her family to go to. And the things that she was uh, desiring to be within that church, the things that had to be there for her to even consider uh, being there, uh, were none of the things that, that Christ uh, felt to be important within his church. And by, de- and by that, these things should also be things that, that we feel to be important within our churches. These are things that we should, also, that we should uh, look to examine ourselves. You know, if, if, Jesus, if Jesus Christ was to... Send a letter to the to the church at Buffalo. You know, it made me wonder as I was as I was studying this. Um, you know, what what would he examine within us? What would he examine within the church? Uh, I hope that he would give us plenty of praises. I hope he would not give us any negatives. I hope it, you know there there are a couple churches within this that he does not give any negative thoughts on. Who were just uh, who were very uh, who were, were very uh, who were very desirous of the Lord and did not waver. But in this first church that he writes to is the church at Ephesus. Now, those of you who don't know, that church at Ephesus is who uh, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to. A very beautiful book, one of my favorite books. A book that is filled with, uh, with so much doctrine, so much insight. A book that, uh, I mean, you know, if you ask, uh, if you, ask you know, what we believe, uh, it, it can very well be summarized in the book of Ephesians for the most part. There is so much sound doctrine and teaching within that book. 
Uh, those people also were, t- were, uh, were founded by the Apostle Paul. He labored there for, uh, for, th- for about three years. Uh, this was a church that uh, you would think would be, uh, very, would be nearly perfect. The perfect picture, perfect example of what a church should be. And they have, and the Lord praised them for many things. <clears throat> but as we, as we will read, there was something that was lacking within that church. There was something that this church once had that they no longer had within, within them. <clears throat> In the second chapter of Revelations... You'll notice, in my, you'll notice as in my Bible, these words are written in red, in red letters. These are the words of Jesus Christ as he spoke to the, to, to the Apostle John. And he said, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, and that word angel uh, could, in, the, in the Greek can also mean uh, messenger. Uh, I believe he was writing this to the preachers at that church who were, met, who were, who, who were delivering, you know, just as a preacher does nowadays, they deliver messages to the, to the people. He says, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. That is very beautiful description and words that the Lord gives to this church at Ephesus. He knows their works. He knows their labor, their patience. This is a church who, this is a very active church. This is a church who is clearly very sound in their doctrine. They couldn't even bear to be with them that did evil. I mean, you know, there, there are many things we can learn from this church. <clears throat> How they had tried them, which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars. In the book of Acts, whenever uh, Paul was uh, leaving the church at Ephesus and going to Jerusalem, he, uh, he, he told the elders at Ephesus and warned them that whenever he left, there were going to be uh, wolves that would, come into the, that would come into the church trying to gain their own followers, their own disciples. They were going to try to, uh, they were gonna try to, uh, to confound and confuse that church. He even said within uh, that people within the church would stand up and try to uh, draw people away to be followers of themselves. And clearly, that church had had you know they had they had remembered what Paul had taught them. They had took that to remembrance. They were very sound in their doctrine. They knew that the, and uh, that and tested and tried these men that said they were apostles uh, and found them to be liars and cast them out. That is very uh, that is very important. You know, many uh, there are many churches today that could benefit from and the Lord's people from whenever someone comes comes along, uh, you know, claiming to be you know a, a prophet of God. As you know, me and me and my wife watched this documentary recently on a on a cult from around here, and this woman who had claimed to be a, a prophet from the Lord and had confused and confounded so many people, and uh, you know how, how and it is so beneficial. As the, as the as followers of God, that any time somebody uh, somebody says anything with somebody says anything claiming uh, to have knowledge from God, that we try them, that we examine them, and see whether or not that they are liars, just as this church did. And yet, despite all of these things, you know, this very 
active church. You know, if we were to see this church today, we would probably think, um, just as a, you know, this the church at Sardis that he talks about in the third chapter of this book, we would probably think that they have a, that they are very alive, that they're a lively church. But still, the Lord found fault within these people. And he said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. <clears throat> this is something that, you know, I, 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 really want, I really want you to, just as, as I had to in studying this, you know, these are, this is a, a subject that really, um, that really has, a, has uh, <clears throat> caused me to re- truly examine myself. You know, oftentimes I have this horrible nature that any time I read a passage in Scripture or something in the Bible, you know, how often are we to say, you know, this would be really beneficial, you know, for for so and so or for somebody else, you know, this this would be really good for them to read. I hope so and so reads this. I've got a very bad tendency about doing that myself. But more often than not, Scripture is meant for us to to examine ourselves, to self-examine, just as you know, Christ in His teaching said, you know, how can you, how can we? Uh, Help our help our brother when we have you know a, a beam in our own eye. How can we help our brother to get something out of his eye when we've got this huge beam ourselves that we've got to get taken care of first? <clears throat> and I realized as I was reading this, uh, a, a lot of a, a lot of things within myself, and 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 a lot of a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of things that, you know that. Uh, That I, that I was lacking in, the things that I things that I used to do that I had not done anymore. Because you know, what is a church's a first love? What is our first love? <clears throat> in the book of Ephesians, a book that Paul wrote to these same group of people uh, several years before. In the fifth chapter of in the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians. In the 25th verse, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And he says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. In the Bible, we are told as the church and has and has the Lord's people, uh, we are we are to, we are told that we are the bride of Christ, that He is our that He is our bridegroom, that He's our that He is our husband. <clears throat> and as far as our first love, when I say first, you know, I don't mean in order of, of time. I don't mean you know the first thing that we ever did love. I'm not sure what the very first thing in my life that I ever truly loved. It was probably a, a Batman or something. It was probably some kind of action figure. But that, but first in this context means an order of importance. 
that what is the most important thing, what is the, what is the most important love uh, for a church and for a people as we are, we make up the body of the church. And that is our bridegroom. That, that is Christ. <clears throat> and, this mor- and this morning, <laughs> and this morning, you know, I, th- th- it, might, it might be difficult, uh, but, uh, but by this, you know, I, I hope and pray that we, will all, that we will each, you know, examine ourselves <clears throat> examine ourselves. You know, you may say, well, Brother Cole, this church, though, they were clearly, you know, they were doing works. They were, they were very, they were very active. You know, they, they were sound in their doctrine. You know, how is it that you, how is it that you can say that they had, uh, that they had left the, their first love? And I heard a quote by, uh, by Michael Goins that said, where he, where he said, you know, labor is, is no substitute for love. You know, if you know, you know, even in uh, in, in marriages today, you know, oftentimes whenever we see marriages that over time they start to start to start to fall apart, or a spouse that may grow cold towards the other, you know, oftentimes in those cases, you know, in in, in that that a husband and a wife are still doing, you know, the works of a marriage. You know, husband, you know, the husband may still uh, be providing for his family. He may still uh, take. He may stay. He may still uh, take care of his wife. He may still take care of his children. Uh, the, the, he may still. Uh, he may still uh, go to work and provide. He may uh, drive them to church. Drive them to eat. He may do all of the works that a husband is to do to a spouse. And, and yet, but but in doing but in doing all of those works, uh, we can still be missing something. We can be still be a. Still be uh, missing uh, that love, that passion that we once had. You know, one of the one of the best advice, that, one of the greatest you know example advice that I was given in marriage, and I, I'm no uh, expert when it comes to marriage. You can ask Natalie on that. I'm not an expert in marriage. Uh, next year will be uh, five years that I've been married. But uh, the the best advice that I was ever given in marriage was to never stop dating your spouse. And that does, you know, that and that phrase does not mean that you just uh, don't ever marry them. Just, you know, just keep on dating. That's not what that means. <laughs> but there were things that I did before that we got before we got married, uh, you know. And it, those of you that are married, I hope I don't get you in trouble today. <clears throat> but you can probably attest, you know, there were things that, you know, uh, whenever you're first dating, uh, before before that you get married, you know, there are things, you know, that that I realized as I was studying this, things that I used to do for my wife. Uh, that I realized that you know I I didn't really do anymore. You know there are th- there are uh, there are things that you know that when you're first dating and trying to you know get them to marry you right there are things that uh, that, that you do there are there are things that you say uh, there there's a there's just a there's there's a difference in how, in how you treat them and how and how uh, you go after them uh, that is uh, that that uh, that over time if if we're not careful uh, we, we can we can uh, start to become cold at and start not to do anymore. These were these were things that I was studying. This, you know, that I, I had to I had, I had to look and really self reflect upon. And we can be and we can become just as this church had become that same way with with Christ, with our first love, with our beloved. I started to re- realize as I was studying this, there were things that I used to do for Christ that I didn't do anymore. You know, you know, you can you, you can you can remember, you know, those. 
those early times, you know, whenever you know you, you first hear that when you first hear the gospel, you first hear about uh, your Savior, and you feel this just burning, you know, heat within you, just as uh, you know the the two in the twenty fourth chapter of Luke, the two the two uh, people that walked with the Lord and didn't realize it, and whenever he departed from them, they said, how, you know, how did our hearts burn within us at the at the things that he did say. Do you not remember a time? Do you not remember whenever you know you, you first uh, you you first uh, realized all of those things about Christ, and you just felt this desire in you that you wanted to just spend time with your Lord, with your beloved, that you wanted to spend time with Him every day. You wanted to talk to Him. You wanted to you want you wanted to just uh, hang on every word that He said. You wanted to you wanted to. Uh, <laughs> You wanted to make sure you were at church every Sunday so that you could spend time with, uh, with, with others. And you wanted to sh- that you wanted to show your love to your, to your Lord, to your beloved. Then <clears throat> you got noticed, you know, as, I, as I've noticed sometimes in my own life, uh, times, you know, where we can become almost, you know, mechanical with it. Just like in a, just like, just like a, in a marriage, become me- so mechanical, almost like a robot. Uh, just doing just uh, just doing things that are out of sheer habit, <clears throat> and I realized you know that there were there were times where where I had where I had become that where I had, where I had done those things. You know, I think of examples like a, you know the like a King Solomon. You know, I don't think Solomon ever thought ever thought or intended to grow to grow cold towards the Lord. To grow cold towards his beloved, Solomon, who wrote uh, such beautiful books like the books of, of Proverbs and Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes, and then I, you know, it, it breaks my heart to to read of, of later in his life, where uh, over time, you know, just like a, just like a, just like a, it is the case in in this church and can be the case with us. That Solomon did not just one day, just like that, decide I'm, you know, I'm going to be cold towards my love. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to heed him anymore. But it was a, a gradual decline. It was a gradual fall. <clears throat> and if you study the, the the life of Solomon, you'll read how uh, how he it, it is so tragic. How he how he over time started to go after other gods. How he chose the love of uh, of all these other women. And to, love, and to love these other idols, these other gods, over uh, his first love, his true love, his beloved, the, the, the one that uh, that at one time that at one time he had so much desire and passion for. And then when we read later in his life, he's just completely cold, just completely cold. I think of uh, I think of King Saul, who I believe you know without a without a shadow of a doubt was a child of God. That, that uh, there, there's just too much evidence evidence to support that King Saul, you know, if you study the early the early years of his life, where where the Holy Spirit came upon him and he prophesied, where he uh, where he where he uh, you know as the as the first king of Israel did such wonderful things in the very early start of uh, of, of his kingdom, and then just gradually over time, he no longer uh, he no longer uh, heeded the commandments of God. He chose the love of uh, he chose the love of the people. He chose all of these other things over over his beloved, over his first love. And then we just and, and then we just read of the you know there's the poor pitiful life of Saul after that. 
where he was, where where a man who was, who where a man was just completely uh, sitting in darkness. You know, that's one of the things that Christ told this church uh, that were, that they were that they were in danger of was losing what he refers to as as, as their candlestick. Now that's not to mean that. That's not to mean that these people are in danger, you know, of, of losing eternal life. But what does a, you know, what does a candle do? It it, uh, it sheds light. It uh, it, it brings heat. And without a candlestick, we can be set, we can be just as in the the place of, of King Saul or Solomon, <laughs> where we're just or we could just have have no light. We just sit in darkness, where it's just you know without 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 light, it just becomes completely cold, completely cold. I think of examples of you know of, of Peter, you know Peter who was uh, who was so uh, fervent in his love for the Lord. He said though who uh, who declared uh, who declared when, when Christ asked him um, who do men say that I am, you know, who, and, and then to Peter, you know, who do you say that I am? And he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God, who who told Christ that though all men forsake thee, yet I never will. I will never forsake you, Lord. And then, whenever uh, before Christ is crucified, we see whenever the first the first little bit of uh, a thought of persecution comes to Peter, uh, he denies his Lord, he denies his beloved, his first love. You know, I think whenever Peter it, it tells us went away weeping, cry, just uh, weeping, so upset, just crying, just all these tears. He was crying because he knew he had hurt his his beloved. He had denied his first love that he had, <clears throat> and, and, and these are and these are things you know that that that, uh, that that can happen that can happen to us. It's important that it's important that j- just as the Lord was telling this church uh, that we examine ourselves, that we look at that we look and think of you know, are are we in the same predicament? Are there things you know that uh, are, are there are there things that 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 we used to do for our beloved that we don't really do anymore. You know, I thought about you know just as as Christ is is spoken of as a spouse. You know, I thought of you know just as you know if my own, if my own spouse, if if she wanted to to spend some time with me and talk with me one day, and if I was to just uh, turn her away and say no, you know, if I was to just to tell her you know not not to you know not today, I for one would be terrified to do that. <coughs> But I would also, but also love my, but also love my wife. I would never want to do that. But do we not also, at times, find ourselves? You know, I, I realize there were times in my life where I did that to my, to my first love, my, my Lord, my Lord. Well, there are times, you know, you know, whenever you, you know, you, you feel that the Lord wants to, wants to spend time with you, and, and we make up all these, all these different excuses. <clears throat> and uh, just, like this is, it, it just really, really studying this. It really, I mean, it it truly tears you up to, to consider and think about these things. <clears throat> but the Lord does not leave us without a, a remedy. It, it's so beautiful, you know. The Lord could just leave us, could just leave us in darkness. He could just tell us, He could just tell us all of these things. And not shed any light on what the remedy is, on on what that we can do, on what on things that you know that we need to do. If we find ourselves in the same predicament as this church was in, 
And he tells them in the fifth verse, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. The first thing that he tells me, you know, he gives he gives three steps here. He gives three he gives three answers three answers that we that we have if we find ourselves in this situation. And he says, "Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen." Do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, do you remember a time? Do you remember when 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 you first uh, maybe maybe it was the first time that you ever heard. Uh, the sweet sound of the doctrines of grace, or the sweet sounds of, of, of doctrines of Christ, and you felt this just burning passion within you that you wanted to spend just every every day, every chance that you had uh, with your Lord. Do you remember a time like uh, in the book of First Peter, where he talks about uh, where he talks about as newborn babes the desire of the sincere milk of the word. That you may grow thereby. Do you remember a time, you know, when you just desired to, when you just desired to, to read the Word of God? You know, often, you know, this is the beginning of the of the year, right? This is the new year, and and I love New Year's. I love New Year's resolutions. And oftentimes, you know, at the beginning of the year, we have this, you know, this this big desire to make all of these changes in our life, whether that's financially or in our in our health. Or, or spiritually, but you can always make resolutions at any point during the year. You don't have to wait till the till the new year. But I love how at the beginning of the year, uh, people that have just this uh, great desire—I have that within myself—just the, at the sense of of a of a new year, of, renew, of, of renewal. <clears throat> that maybe at the beginning of this year that we can remember, and that we can uh, call to remembrance. Times in our life where we felt that just uh, that, uh, that that love uh, towards our beloved. I reminded of the 16th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. We're in this chapter. The Lord had <laughs> given this prophecy. He describes he describes very vividly in this chapter. Uh, the the place the the place that every that every one of us every child of God has been in. You know you know oftentimes you know it's it's expressed nowadays you know that that uh, there is something you know just 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 there's something you know good within you that the Lord just he has to have he he wants you he has to have here. But in this chapter that is not how the Lord uh, describes us. He described this as being just this this uh, these un, this unlovable thing. He said again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, "Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem: Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee." Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day when thou wast born. This is a, this is a picture of a, a, of a baby that was just uh, not, seen as, not seen as beautiful, not seen as having uh, any, anything, good, uh, anything good within them. That it was just cast out. Can you imagine a baby just cast out into the streets? 
But despite that, despite, despite all that, the Lord chose to show love. The Lord chose to show mercy. He said, when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yeah, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, you live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxing great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saying, The Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed thee away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work, and shod thee with badger's skin. And I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thy hands, and a chain on thy neck. And I put a jewel on thy forehead, and earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk, embroidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil, and thou wast exceeding beautiful, and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. That the only beauty that we have is what the Lord has given us, what the Lord has, has put within us. And he says, And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, through the Lord's comeliness, which I had put upon thee. And this is what often happens in this next... This is, this is what happens this is when we find ourselves just as, the, just as in the same place as, as Ephesus. Uh, you know, there was a time when we felt just uh, just completely unworthy within ourselves, and the Lord showed, uh, and the Lord still, despite all of that, showed mercy and love to us, to His beloved. But He said, "But thou didst trust in thine own beauty, and playest the harlot because of thy renown, and pourest out thy fornications on every one that passed by." His it was. You know, you know, there's a there's a verse in the scripture. You know, the pride comes before the fall. And so often that uh, <clears throat> that many times, whenever we lose our our zeal and our devotions, it's whenever we become, you know, so prideful within ourselves, you know, we have the tendency to think, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not as bad as so and so, right? We think I'm not as bad as, I'm not as bad as these people. I still go to, I still go to church every Sunday. I still, I still, I still sing. I still, I still, uh, I still go to Bible study. I still do all these things. <clears throat> that, that, that's prideful. That, that's uh, and when, and when we start to, you know, to gain thoughts like that, uh, it can be to our own downfall. It's important that, uh, that, that that we remember. I'm reminded of a of Song of Solomon. And this is a book. This is a book that whenever I first began to you know try to read the Bible, this is a book that I really I'll, I'll tell you the truth I didn't really understand at first. And, and as and and, uh, and as and as I have you know I, I've heard from other men and have and have uh, hopefully have grown. I, I, I've come to see that so much beauty that is in this book, 
that this is a spiritual allegory of the church of the church in Christ, of the bride and the bridegroom. It, it's a it's a love story. <clears throat> and it is so beautiful to me how in this how in this book the the the, the, the woman who is a representation of the church of us how she views herself and how she views her beloved, her, her first love that she felt, that she remembered. He said, the song, he said, The song of songs, which is Solomon's, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Because of the savor of thy good, ointment, good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Draw me, we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. And notice how, how, she, how, how she saw herself. How, how, the church, how the church should see itself. That I am black but comely. O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. When she says black, she's not talking about her, she's not talking about her race. Back in these times, in the ancient times, if you were to the beauty standards back then are very different than they are today. And to have a darker complexion or to have a darker tan uh, was to signify that you had to work out in the fields, that you labored outside, and that was not seen as a as a as a mark of beauty. And because uh, she later describes her love as being uh, white and ruddy, that he had a, a more fair complexion. Uh, one who did not have to, to labor in the field, but you know could stay indoors. And she said, despite and, and despite despite how, how she felt herself, you know, I, I, despite how, how the church here uh, views herself, said, "Look not upon me, because I am black; because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me; they made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept." And she said, Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon, for why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy, of thy companions? She did, not care to be, uh, with, she did not care to be around anyone else. She wanted to only be near uh, her beloved. She wanted to feed where her beloved fed. Do you not feel that? You know, do you not feel, you know, do you not feel like you want to be... Uh, Near the flocks uh, of your beloved, you don't want to. Where do you want to uh, be? Uh, be wherever uh, His word is proclaimed. Said, so if thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock, and feed thy kids besides the shepherd tents. And notice how, and notice how he, how he views her. I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses and Pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks, are, thy cheeks are comely with rows of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. Very similar language to Ezekiel. He says, We will make thee borders of gold with studs of silver. While the king sitteth at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved well unto me. He shall lie all night betwixt my breast. My beloved is unto me as a cluster of campshire in the vineyard of Engadil. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes. Behold, thou art fair, my beloved. Yea, pleasant. Behold, our, also our bed is green. The beams of our house are cedar, and our rafters of fire. This was a, 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 she truly felt so in love with her beloved, and he for her, uh, despite a, despite a, despite all the things that uh, how she 
viewed about herself. You know, have you not felt that within you? <clears throat> and notice in the fifth chapter, in the fifth chapter of the same book, how she described how she describes her beloved. In the ninth verse, when asked, What is thy beloved more than another beloved? O thou fairest among women. What is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? She said, My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among ten thousand. He's beautiful to look upon. He's beautiful to look at. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and, his, and black as a raven. She describes his eyes, everything about him that just is seen as so, as so beautiful to her. She said in the 16th verse, his mouth is most sweet. Are the words of Christ not just, just sweet to hear? Are his doctrine just not the, 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 this, the, the sweetest taste and, and sweet, and sweet to, to hear? And she said, yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. <clears throat> Do you remember a time whenever you, felt that, whenever you felt just like that about your beloved, about your Lord? Do you not remember a time when you were just like a, when you were just like in, in the third chapter here where she describes a time whenever she says, By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. Should I will rise now and go about the city and the streets, and in the broad ways I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth. She is searching desperately for her beloved, anywhere that she can. She said, It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him, whom my soul loveth. And I held him and would not let him go, until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. Do I remember a time whenever you diligently searched as you could to be with your beloved? And whenever you found him, you just felt like you just did not want to let him go. That you would, that you refused to 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 let to let him leave you. And I thought about and I thought about uh, times times of myself where I, I remembered at moments like that in my life. <laughs> and then what often happens later on, I, I, I felt so much. Happens in this uh, in this book later on, where just before she is describing uh, uh, seeking out her beloved, not wanting to to let him go, and then later on in the fifth chapter she said, "I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew.'" And my locks with the drops of the night. <clears throat> you not felt? Have you not felt moments of that? It, it, you know, <laughs> late at night or the middle of the day, or maybe in the morning, where you just feel, where you just feel as though the, the Lord is just uh, is just knocking and wants to have a wants to have fellowship with you. And just as and just as she does here, you know, just as just as uh, you know, before we have been see, uh, just desiring him with all that we have, and then later when he comes, wanting to spend just a little bit of time with his beloved, 
She makes excuses. She said, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? You not had have you not had moments you know where where you where you just felt that you know you just felt within you that you know you needed to to spend time with your beloved you know you needed to sit down and, and read or sit down and pray or meditate and we, and we make excuses right we say we say we say you know Lord uh, we say you know Lord my, my beloved I, I'm I'm tired. We say, you know, Lord, I, I've had no time to myself today. I want to just, I want to just, uh, I want to just spend time with me. We say, Lord, you know, I, I just, I really, I want to, I want to finish this movie. You know, I want to, I want to do this. I just, Lord, I, I'll, uh, I'll spend time with you tomorrow. Can you imagine if you said that uh, to your own spouse, to your own, to your own beloved here? And then after a while, you know, you you, you realize that. Uh, it goes from you know not spending a day to sometimes not a week, sometimes a month, until we just have we've just made all these excuses to where we're no longer spending time with our our beloved. He said, "My beloved put it in his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels removed for him. I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock." I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called, but he gave me no answer. In those moments, whenever we deny fellowship with our Lord, we have no idea of the blessings that we just missed out on that we could have had. <laughs> whenever we deny, whenever we deny, you know, our, our I, I believe, you know, especially uh, whenever we feel our Lord is desiring to spend time with us. That that is a beautiful moment. That that is a beautiful time that we could spend together. And there have been so many times, you know, where where, where we can miss out on those moments with our beloved. So as he told the church, if you have felt that, remember, remember that toward, remember that, remember how you felt, remember that how you felt uh, for your beloved. And then he said, and then he, he tells us the next step in that is to repent. And that word repent, you know, it, part of it means to, to change one's mind uh, for the better. Uh, to, uh, that, that once you've remembered these things uh, that we, that we uh, that, that we change our behavior. You know, if, my, if, I, if I was to my wife, you know, it, it do something that constantly was offensive to her or made her upset. If I just continued if I just continued to do those things, that would not be very good for me. And I if and if we and if we to our to our beloved, to our Lord, continue in such offensive behavior, you know, if we just keep telling ourselves, you know, well he's just, you know, he'll just forgive me for it, it'll be okay, then that is a, then that is wrong. In the book of 1 John, one of the things that John tells us is that if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. If we, if we want to be in truly in fellowship with our beloved and show him our, our, our zeal and our devotion, 
we cannot continue uh, doing the things that are that are uh, that are not pleasing to Him, living in a way that uh, that, that we used to live. That we continually, uh, you know, you know, oftentimes, you know, we, we make uh, resolutions, and uh, <laughs> and uh, more often than not, we don't follow through. Our mind of the book and of, of, of the Psalm of David. In the fifty-first Psalm, when David, when David, uh, when David prayed in repentance to his to his Lord, to his beloved that he had offended, and he said, "For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise." That when we repent of these things, whenever you know, we whenever if we find ourselves in the same predicament as the church of Ephesus, and we call to remembrance uh, the, the times that we had, that we don't just that we don't just say that we don't just say, you know, Lord, that that we'll do better, you know, Lord, I, I'll start, I'll I'll do better tomorrow, I'll start again tomorrow. But out of pure, lo- but out of pure love towards our beloved. <laughs> that with action that we uh, <laughs> that we do, that we that uh, <laughs> that we do the things that we used to do. And that is the third thing that the that uh, the Lord tells this church at Ephesus. That once they've called to remembrance, and once they've repented, He tells them to do the first works. You know, you might call to remembrance. You know, what are things you might call to remembrance? What are things that you know that you used to do for your beloved, for your Lord? Did you used to maybe you know read your Bible every day? Did you used to to, to pray and 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 spend and spend more time and spend more time with Him? Uh, did you did you at church you know just uh, sing with a with so much more so much more vigor and enthusiasm? You know, like you just you you wanted your Lord to, to hear you above everybody else. <clears throat> then do it again. That if there were times, you know, where if there if there were things that uh, that you did at the beginning, just like a, in a, in a real marriage, just like in a marriage, <clears throat> that you think of that you think of things that you did at the very beginning for your beloved, things that you whenever you felt just so infatuated and in love, that you do it again. And don't stop. But if you do, but if we do stop, as you know, I, if you're like me, I'm, I'm a person. You know, I, I repent. Uh, I repent daily. There are constantly things that I'm having to repent of. <clears throat> but whenever we do these things, that we try with all with all of our heart to to continue in them and doing the first works. Now, if you sit and now, if we if we sit here and think, you know, well, brother Cole, I don't think this really applies to me. You know, I've never really, I've never forsaken my love. I've never, I've stayed just as, just as passionate as I was, as I, as I, as I have always been, and uh, I would say, praise God for that. That is beautiful. That is wonderful. And I pray that you, and I pray that that may, that you may never falter. But I'm also, and I'm also reminded of in the book of First Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul says, "Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall." 
<clears throat> that if you say that that's not that that, uh, that if you feel just so confident that you know that you are ne- never waver from your from your love, <clears throat> that that is wonderful. But also to be careful, to take heed, <clears throat> as, as the as the Lord told His disciples, watch and pray. The, unless ye fall, <clears throat> and, may, and I, I, I pray this morning, as I said, that if that if you if you felt this is, that uh, this is you, if you have felt you know that Lord that uh, you know I, I'm doing that uh, I, I've been doing the works I've been doing the labors I've been doing all of these things but yet I've uh, I, I feel as though I've neglected my first love, <clears throat> and call to remembrance. The time, that time of love, that first time of love. Repent, repent of those things and do the first works and don't stop. I, I thank you for your time this morning. I pray that the Lord may bless you.